Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable. I'm still in Cape Town. I told you I wasn't leaving. It's Good Friday. The morning of Good Friday. I'm trying to record earlier in the day. Plans later today. Hang out with some friends here. They invited me to something called Bun and Fish. It's like pickled fish and crossed buns. I don't know if the crossed buns have anything to do with religion, but the bread looks well buttered and fluffy. So I'm quite excited. I haven't been on my morning walk yet. I was woke up hungry as hell. I've got Uber Eats on the way and I was like, I can't walk five miles on an empty stomach. It's kind of overcast today. Doesn't mean it's going to stay that way. Cape Town is very much, people often compare it to, but it's very much like San Francisco in that way. Like you get four seasons in a day. It's also very hilly. It's also by the water. I love this city. I really do. I'm seriously thinking about going to get my stuff in Johannesburg and coming back. I have a friend who's staying at my house right now and he hit me and was like, hey, are you, are you coming? Are you coming back here? And I was like, I mean, at some point, <laughs> I'll give you a heads up. I was like, I know you got the house to yourself. And I was like, I'll give you a heads up. I won't just walk in on you, even though it's my house. But I'll give you a heads up. And he was like, you're not coming back. And I was like, I, I got to get my stuff. I get my hair redone, too. I was out with a friend last night. Actually, do you remember the first time I came to Cape Town and I kept running into people who listened to the podcast? And I was like, I had no idea this many people in South Africa listened to the podcast. And then I went and checked the numbers. And I was like, oh, shit, like it's international. I had no idea. I was coming out of this restaurant. I ran into a friend, somebody I knew from 10 years ago when I was here. She was with another young woman. She was like, oh my God, I listened to your podcast. Like, what are you doing here? And I was like, I live here. Well, in South Africa. So we got in touch and we were finally able to have dinner last night. She's cool as hell. Like some people you just sound like click with like off the top. But that's not even the point. So the point was I was telling her and I was like, I really like Cape Town. And she's from here. So she was like, yeah, I get it. It's amazing. She's lived in the States. She's come back here. And she was like, I don't think I would, you know, leave, leave for an extended period of time again. And I was like, I get it. It has its ups and downs, like any place, like it's really gorgeous, like Miami or like LA in a sense, because where I'm staying looks exactly like the Hollywood Hills. But I was saying, I was like, I'll have to go back to Johannesburg because I like got to get my hair done and my nails and my lashes and blah, blah, blah. And she was like, I mean, you're, you're still in Africa. Like we have braiders here. They'll, they'll take your hair out and they'll put it back in. You can get your hair done. And we have nails. Her nails were amazing. She's like, we have lashes. Her lashes were amazing. I was like, I mean, I know, but I got to get my stuff. And so she was like, I mean, if you want. Or you could just wash the stuff you have. I was like, yo, y'all trying to really keep me captive here. We'll see. And this new place I'm in, it's a little studio. It's a cute box. It's, it's just a box. It's adorable. And like all white. I'm not really the kind of girl that can wear all white and not spill on it. I'm like putting forth effort to keep it clean. But it's like all white and beige and light gray. And I was like, I could do a whole house like this. There's like a fake olive tree in the corner. It's a great touch. And it's got these little Art Deco designs, which I love Art Deco. It's, you hear my joy. I'm actually, I don't sound like this in Johannesburg. I think it's the water. There's nothing wrong with Johannesburg. I really think it's the water. Ah, whatever. Last week's episode, I dedicated to Angel Reese, the national champion Angel Reese. She's a sophomore at LSU and she just led her team to NCAA championship. She has been the center for the last 
it hasn't even been a week. I think the championship was last Saturday, last Sunday. She was the, the center of a national controversy because of a you can't see me hand gesture. It drives me nuts. People keep calling it like the John Cena. And I was like, it's not. It's the yayo. Like, give credit where it's due. It's like, stop erasing black people. Even if you didn't listen to last week's podcast, because this story is everywhere. She's been the center of this controversy for making this hand gesture. There was another player, Caitlin Clark, on the Iowa team, who also made the hand gesture. She was praised for it. She's white. Angel was dragged through the coals over it. Grown men, grown, grown men, grown white men said she was acting like a juvenile delinquent and called her a piece of shit when she made the exact gesture that a white woman had made that drew praise, not even like light criticism. It's not like they criticized the white woman and then also criticized the black girl, but went harder. Like they had no criticism for Caitlyn. So the last episode dedicated to Angel, I spoke about Caitlyn and I said, I wish that she would stand in the gap of this situation and speak up just to clear this whole conversation. Also gave her grace that she didn't start this national controversy. She really did nothing but play ball and, and be cocky. She feels herself when she's on the court, and I, I don't see a problem with that. I also don't see a problem when Angel does it. So I said I wish that Caitlin would speak up. I also acknowledge that she's a very young woman. She's also a college student, just like Angel. So I was like, I would love it if she spoke up and said something. But does she have to? No. Is she wrong for staying silent? No. But she did speak up. I did a last minute sweep to see what people were talking about. And then I sent the episode to my production team. It takes them about an hour to 90 minutes after I send it in to put all the ads in and then to go up on all the pod platforms. While I was recording, obviously, and then even the last minute check, I didn't see that Caitlin had spoken up. As soon as I sent the, um, the raw episode out to the production team, I was checking my DMs and a friend sent me and was like, oh, Caitlin did an interview. And he had no idea that I'd spoken about it on the episode. And I was like, fuck. At least I was gracious to the girl. Had I dragged her and then she did it, I would sound like an asshole. So she did this interview on ESPN and she cleared everything. Everything from, from uh, the first lady, Dr. Biden, inviting the losing team to the White House, to the gesture, to, to how women are treated in sports. She did real good. I felt bad for her a little bit. She had to know when ESPN asked her for an interview that everything was on the table. But she's an athlete. She clearly has a little cockiness to her. She feels herself. Um, and even though her team didn't win the championship, clearly they're a good team if they made it to the championship. But she shows up to this interview for ESPN and they're asking her all these questions about Angel. My ego, I have one like everyone else, would feel away. She handled it with grace, but she tried to sidestep it at first because they were like, so, hey, this thing with Angel. She was like, yeah, I really I haven't been on social media. She made them work for the answers. They asked her how she felt when, when Angel did the can't see me gesture. And then she also pointed to her ring finger saying that, you know, the LSU was going to win. They were going to get the ring. She was like, I didn't see her. Which actually tracks with the video because she has no reaction whatsoever. She was like, yeah, that thing that y'all are all upset about that y'all are like, it was insulting and it was unsportsmanlike. I, I didn't see it. Mm -mm, no. <laughs> they asked her how she felt about gestures and the, and the trash talk and, and all of that on the court. She was like, yeah, it's, um, it's a competitive, super fun game. <laughs> like She just wouldn't give them anything. She said specifically of the gesture, she said, quote, I don't think Angel should be criticized at all. She said, I'm just one that competes and she competed. I think everybody knew there was going to be a little trash talk. It's not just me and Angel. She continued, 
we're all competitive. We all show our emotions in a different way. Angel is a tremendous, tremendous player. I have nothing but respect for her. I love her game. The way she rebounds the ball, scores the ball is absolutely incredible. I'm a big fan of her and even the entire LSU team. They played an amazing game. Translation, y'all mad about some shit I ain't even mad about. Y'all done made this whole national spectacle about some shit that didn't even register to me. It's really just a competition. Everyone, please get over yourselves. She wasn't done. Quote, men have always had trash talk. You should be able to play with that emotion. That's how every girl should continue to play. I kind of, I'm leaning toward loving this chick. She also has some thoughts about Jill Biden, Dr. Jill Biden, the first lady inviting the losing team to the White House, which isn't going to happen. It was such an outcry about it that the White House had to pull back. This is what Caitlin said. She said, I, I don't think runner ups usually go to the White House. I think LSU should enjoy that moment for them. And congratulations. Obviously, they deserve to go there. She said, that's for LSU. That's a pretty cool moment. And they should enjoy every single second of being a champion. I'm leaning towards love. I really have so much respect for her for speaking up. We, we talk sometimes on here about white women. And when shit happens with white women, it's supposed to be all women hands on deck to talk about this is an injustice. This shouldn't happen to women. And then things happen to black women. And it's like, OK, so the black women go and they're like, OK, like we, we were there. We supported. We were there. Like, where where were you? We talked a lot about white women. And I'm speaking very collectively at this point, especially after the Trump election. We were like, so so most of y'all, the majority of y'all actually voted for like the guy who was like grabbing by the pussy. Your whiteness really trumped like your your basic self-respect that you voted for a bigot and a, and a misogynist and his whiteness was more important to you than his racism or his sexism. Like you voted for him over a fellow white woman. Very confused. Confused. We've had a lot of conversations about white women and allyship and where their loyalty lies. And I think not even I think I know. Even when the, the situation came up with Jonathan Majors, as soon as folks realized that, like, oh, the girl was white, immediately people were like, I don't know. I know she's accusing him. I don't know. Because she's white and white women do silly shit. White women do criminal shit. Like, they accuse black men of things. Like, there's a historical precedent of them lying, of them being nasty towards black people, black men, black women. We don't know. We can't trust her. There's a lot of distrust for white women. And it's a part of the reason that black women especially don't have high expectations that if something happens... That the people that we expect would be allies because they are women will show up. I appreciate that she showed up. I'm shocked that she showed up. I didn't think she was going to do it. I'm really glad that she did. Lots going on this week. Apparently, we're putting a black man on the moon. Did you hear about this? I didn't realize a black man had never been on the moon. Black people have gone to space. I remember May. She went to space when I was a kid. I was in junior high school. May Carol Jemison. She went to space. She didn't go to the moon because there's never been a woman on the moon. The first black man is going to the moon and the first woman, she's white. She's going to the moon with the first black man and then two other men. They're going to the moon. Apparently it's been 50 years since Americans have gone to the moon. I'm not really big into NASA like that, but like, you know, black people literally going places that no black person has ever gone before. It's exciting to me. I think it's kind of crazy. We're still doing first black anything, but I'm happy for this black man. His name is Victor J. Glover. Let's see, what do we know about Victor? Because I saw Ebony talking about it and I just screenshotted it. But I didn't look it up to see what we know about Victor who's going to the moon. Where do we want to read this at? 
LAist has a story. Let's see what they say about Victor. Did they talk to Victor? Yes. He said, going to the moon is, quote, well beyond my wildest dreams. Victor lives in Pomona. Where is Pomona? It's in Southern California. They said on Monday, NASA named four astronauts who will be on the upcoming crew. Okay. They lift off in 2024 for a 10-day orbit around the moon. I'm scanning this article to see if there's anything extra interesting about Victor. No, just a black man going to the moon. Oh, but this is not Victor's first time in space. Yo, Victor is living the life. In 2020, he was part of the crew. Oh, the SpaceX. That's not the penis flight. That was Big Bezos. No, he went in the SpaceX mission in 2020. That was a very hectic year. I don't remember anybody going to space, but it says he went. I'm not going to doubt it. He spent six months in space and completed three spacewalks. He's also a really well-trained pilot. He's also really wide. And I'm looking at the zoom in of his picture. He don't seem to have a ring on. He's a father of four. It don't say nothing about a wife. I'm terrible. The man is going to the moon. I'm checking for his relationship status. He does say that he takes the idea of being a role model to African-American kids. He takes that very seriously. And kids need to truly believe they can be anything. You can go to the moon. Good for Victor. It's a nice looking man. Going to the moon. They're like, where are all the men at? Remember the, the, the fucked up joke? Used to be like, oh, they're dead in prison. Now they're on the goddamn moon. <laughs> that was so fucking wrong. Oh, Stacey Abrams. My father has sent me this article like 10 times. He didn't say like you have to talk about it on the podcast, but it's really clear to me that he wants me to talk about it on the podcast. And I would because you know how I feel about the Stacey. Stacey Abrams is headed to Howard University. She's going to go be a professor and hang out with our redhead friend, Nicole Hannah-Jones. I genuinely love Nicole Hannah-Jones. I told you I interviewed her. I wouldn't keep telling y'all that if I wasn't proud of it. I've done a ton of shit that I never mentioned because I ain't proud of that shit. So I'm reading this on AP. Now, I just heard that Stacey was moving to Howard. I didn't actually like read up on the details. I just pulled it up now. This is the second line of the article. The next step in her reemergence after the Democrat lost her second bid to be governor of Georgia last year. Y'all ain't had to put it like that. Y'all could have said Stacey Abrams. Y'all could have talked about all those people she registered to vote. Because quite honestly, I know her better for that than holding a political office because she hasn't held one. That's fine. It's not like she ran for office and didn't make it. And that's the only thing she's ever done. Can we talk about the hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people that she registered to vote and how she helped flip Georgia blue and she got Warnock and the cute Jewish guy. She, She got them into the Senate. We could talk about that. That's worthy of a first paragraph mention. AP is shady for this. Who wrote this article? I know it's just the facts, but I also know as a journalist, like where you place things, you could bury information at the end. You, you can leave certain quotes out. It's supposed to be objective, but it's all entirely subjective. Who wrote this article? Who's the byline here? Jeff Amy. That don't sound black. Let's see. AP reports the 49-year-old political activist. I didn't know Stacey was 49. I'm not trying to be shady. I just assumed she was a little bit older because, you know, she's had several accomplishments. I'm not that much younger than her. Like, I feel a little less than accomplished right now. Like, maybe I should be spending my life doing more purposeful things. Although my therapist likes to remind me, you you inform black people about Africa. Like, you literally bring black people to Africa. Like, you don't think that's important? And I was like, yeah, it's fun. And she was like, it's also important. That's not the point. The point is, 49-year-old political activist and lawyer. Did I not know she's a lawyer? Do I know Stacey Abrams at all? They said she won't be a traditional full-time faculty member, but she will lecture... And she will invite guest speakers and host symposiums. 
They said she'll work across multiple academic departments to focus on real-world solutions to problems facing black people and other vulnerable groups. She also said she ain't moving from Atlanta. (laughs) The AP goes on to say Abrams' next steps have been closely watched since her loss. They're obsessed with talking about this. They have not talked about her voter registration once. And we're like in paragraph eight. Come on. They note that since November, because you could also say that. You don't have to keep mentioning the loss. You could say since the last election in November. For the last five months, that's another way of avoiding saying loss. There's all sorts of euphemisms that can be used here. They note that since November, Abrams has been an international election observer in Nigeria. That happened in February. They said she's been promoting her children's book, and she announced a tour for her adult book, Rogue Justice, which begins in May. They could have referred to her as an author up top, too. They also point out last month, Abrams was named senior counsel at Rewiring America, a group promoting clean energy and electrification. Can they come work in Africa, too? I mean, I know America got its own issues and like, yes, please fix your grids before we end up like South Africa. But Lord knows, somebody need to come over here and help with this electricity. They got rich white folks sitting in the dark over here. I'm not saying rich white folks is any better than anybody else. But like in America, rich white folks don't have like basic services. They would have taken it to the streets. Have y'all been following what's going on in Paris? The president raised the age of retirement and then white folks been protesting at least for three weeks, but full on riots. Paris is under siege by its citizens on some like, hell no, them rich white folks about their life. I was like, what y'all white folks doing over here? Y'all not putting y'all whiteness to good work. Y'all still privileged over here in South Africa. Use that privilege for a purpose. Like get electricity for everybody, including you. Let's see. What else does the AP have to say? They said in January, Abrams did an interview with Drew Barrymore saying that she would likely run again. Okay. She said, if first you don't succeed, try, try again. Good for her. I think Howard's a great look. At some point in my life, I would actually like to be a professor. We have so much on this list today. I want to talk about David Netto. He is not black. Vanity Fair did an article on Candace Owens. Do I need to talk about that article? I mean, because Candace Owens is black. And under blackness, I feel like maybe we should discuss her, but I don't like her. Like, I don't like her to the point that I don't even want to drag her. But I'm going to talk about this little detail in the article. She's a married mother of two. Her husband is British and they live in Nashville. Funny enough, Tennessee is about to come up in another conversation. But they bought this nice house and they wanted to make their house into a home. And so husband, he's a conservative commentator. Surprise, surprise. He reached out to... David Netto. Now, I am unfamiliar with David Netto. Apparently, he's a very well-known interior designer. Candace Owens' husband reached out to David Netto. They were interested in him coming in to design their home. They sent him an email. Candace said it was a very polite email, you know, expressing interest in wanting to work with him and pay him his worth in order to do his good work on their home. And David Netto wrote back. He said, quote, I'd rather get beat in the ass... (laughs) I'd rather get beat in the ass with a wooden plank than ever go near either of you. (laughs) This man said, keep your dirty money. (laughs) I don't want no association with you or your brand of bullshit. Keep your fucking money. (laughs) I don't know why this has tickled me. I have gone and followed this man on every platform I can find. I saw this quote on a friend's page and I was like, who the fuck is David Netto? (laughs) 
And where can I find him? And how can I donate to his cause? What can I purchase? How can I shop? What, what, what does he have on sale? Like, I don't need a house. I don't have a house. I just want to contribute something <laughs> for the joy he has brought me with this quote. I, I can't stand Candace Owens. I think she's an awful fucking human. <laughs> I said, I don't want to use my platform to drag black women. I didn't like that Monique comedy special. And I tuned in wanting to like it. Monique has had her ups and downs, problematic career. If you stay famous or in the public light long enough, you're going to be in some shit, self-included. I still root for her. I think she's a very talented woman. I think she's a funny woman. I think she's an amazing actress. But I was really excited about this comedy special. And we talked about that on here, especially because, you know, at one point she has sued Netflix to say that you didn't offer me the right kind of money. It was insulting. And then when I said, no, you didn't do a counter offer, which is industry standard, like that's not right. So she sued them. The court's were in her favor. Netflix tried to get it thrown out and they were like, no, she has enough here for a genuine lawsuit. Not all that sure what happened with the case. I thought that story was dead. And then Monique pops up and was like, yeah, so I got a comedy special coming. Okay, cool. It's on Netflix. What? The same Netflix you asked us to boycott? I mean, nobody went along with that shit, but still like you told us to boycott Netflix. Now you on Netflix? So I wanted to see the comedy special. Like, you said you could roll with the big boys. You said that you deserved the money that everybody else was getting because you had the longevity, you had the talent. The question at the time was, does she have the audience? Can she deliver? And so I got tuned in and I was like, come on, black lady. Like, clearly you got your money. You got the money that you think they should have given you. Otherwise, you wouldn't agree to this. So now they paid you amount that you found acceptable. You've done the special and it's going up. Like, can she deliver? I didn't think she did. I didn't laugh. And people were like, well, you know, everything doesn't have to be funny. And I was like, everything absolutely does not have to be funny. But a comedy special? A comedy special. Like, it's a comedy special. And every comedian is not like, you know, nonstop laughter. Like, everyone's not Martin Lawrence. Everyone's not Eddie Murphy. Everyone's not Dion Cole. It's, str- it's bothering me right now that I'm struggling to name a comedian that I find funny. I'm not really th- that aware of that many black women who are comedians, other than Monique, to be quite honest with you. Some more. Who has a special out, which I literally heard nothing about until I wrote about Monique's special. And people were like, oh, Samore had a special. She was cool, too. I will give it a watch. I'll let you know what I think. Yeah, the thing about black women comedians is actually bothering me right now. Which is part of the reason that when I spoke about Monique's special, I was just mindful to be like, I didn't find it funny. She was long-winded with her jokes. For the amount of time that she spent setting up a joke, I didn't feel like the, the quote-unquote punchlines were enough of a payoff. It just didn't work for me. A lot of things she said, I was like, girl, what? She told some stuff about different family members, like the Uncle Tina. Like, okay. There was another, like, gay uncle that liked to gamble and couldn't fight. Okay. Her mother, who was illiterate. Okay. She did this long bit on being in special needs. That was, like, how she opened it. And I was like, yeah, it it just didn't work for me. She also told a story of significant length, how her husband declined to have sex with her because her... Lady parts stank. And I was like, I was appalled by that joke. Like, absolutely appalled. I didn't go into detail with that when I wrote it out, at least. Because I don't want to use any of my platforms to drag a black woman. And I like Monique. The things that I put out where it's just like a hot take that are going to circulate around outside of, like, my core readership. I think it's okay to say I didn't enjoy it. I just really didn't want to drag her. Because that's not what I want to use my platform for, in general. Some people did like the special. Like I said that I didn't enjoy it and and people came in the comments and were like, hey, but I did. Good. Because I don't like something doesn't mean that you don't have to like it. Like if you liked it, if you thought it was funny, if you found the content relatable, if you thought the jokes were great, 
amazing. That's amazing. Sorry, you can hear the outside. I'm like in the middle of the city. This goes on all day and all night. Oh, I saw people talking about the amount of profanity that she used. She did curse a lot. She's always cursed a lot. I noticed that she cursed a lot. It didn't particularly bother me. I grew up on Deaf Comedy Jam. Like, I'm used to people cursing a lot. Some people say I curse a lot. If the jokes landed, she could have cursed as much as she wanted for me, and I just wouldn't have cared. Like, she could drop all the N-bombs and F-bombs and, and MF-bombs. It wouldn't have really bothered me one way or another. And it still doesn't. I just, the jokes didn't land. And I kind of felt at some points like she was using profanity to be provocative in the absence of good storytelling. But I saw a lot of people were like, oh, it's just vulgar, it's just crass. Like, she just cursed and cursed and cursed. And I saw a pushback to that when people were like, we've never had this conversation about a man cursing too much. Like, nobody ever says, like, Eddie Murphy curses too much or Cat Williams curses too much. Y'all are simply doing this because you hold women to, like, weird ladylike standards. And I was like, yeah, like, we did this last week with, uh, or earlier this week, with Caitlin and Angel about women shit-talking on the court. Nobody ever flatly said, like, oh, it's not ladylike, but that was part of the undertone of it. In addition to the racism, not the point. The point is, I think people complaining about Monique and the amount she curses was very, like, but she's a lady. So I didn't care about the cursing thing. I did see someone who said, and this is in response to something I wrote on Facebook. I thought it was a good comment. She didn't quite agree with my take. But she said, why don't we look at it like this? She said, Monique has been through all this bullshit, public, back and forth. She doesn't feel heard. She feels misunderstood. She takes this Netflix opportunity. It's billed as comedy, right? But she doesn't know when she's going to get another platform this big to speak her piece and be heard. So maybe she shows up and she's not doing comedy. But this is her platform where she's going to be heard. And she uses the opportunity she has to say what she wants about herself. And I was like, I hear you. I hear you. As a comedian... And given the platform, I think it's fair that the audience shows up expecting comedy, expecting to laugh because of what it's billed as, because of who she is. But I think it's fair of the take of she took the opportunity that she had to say the things that she wanted to say. And she was like, the name of the comedy special, in fairness, is my name is Monique. She's telling people who she is. I feel you. I just wish as a comedian, as a storyteller... She had weaved humor into those moments. That's all I'm saying. I think even with Rothaniel, Jared Carmichael, I did a whole episode inspired by Rothaniel. That's how much I like that comedy special. The episode I did was called Larry, L-A-R-I. His special, Rothaniel, was technically a comedy special, but it was more confessional therapy, laugh to keep from crying sort of thing. The setup was different. He's at this teeny tiny venue. He was well lit. Everybody else was dark. But it gave the sense of intimacy. And then throughout his whole special, he keeps the same tone. Monique is telling like these big boisterous stories and she's loud and she's cursing. But then she's also telling you very intimate things at the same time. If I recall this correctly, he sat for a good portion, if not the whole special, and spoke almost in a very monotone way and told this story It was an interesting story, but it was also a well-told story. But he brought the audience in. Literally, maybe 30 minutes into the special, the audience as one starts functioning as a therapist. They're very invested into the story that he's telling, and they're asking questions from the audience. There's usually a sort of fourth wall, like you understand, like the comedian's on the stage, and they do the talking, and we do the laughing. And then the audience just started speaking to him, and then he started answering. Like, so even though it wasn't, a comedy experience per se 
it was a very personal experience and it connected everyone in the room. And because of that connection in the room that was captured so well on camera, when it airs, everyone who watches it or many people who watch it feel the same way. I think Rothaniel got nominated, if not awarded. I think if Monique had done something like that, which I think she kind of tried to do, I think it just didn't land. I still want the best for her. I think there's this idea sometimes, especially when women are talking about other women, because you say you don't like a project or you don't like something specific that someone has done, it means you don't like that person and like you wish them death and whatever. And I was like, no, that's not it. I didn't laugh and I thought I was showing up to laugh. I just didn't feel like the jokes landed. That, that's it. I still want her to get paid. As I'm recording this, I currently have Netflix running in the background on mute. So Monique can get as many streams as she can. I watched it once and struggled to get through it. But I've gone ahead and played it maybe four or five times since then. I wanted to get her numbers. I wanted to get paid. I want to support a black woman. White people put out mediocre shit all the time and still get checks. I still want that for Monique. I just didn't think the shit was funny. That's all I'm saying. I, still, I want her to get great acting roles. I want her to do another comedy special where she actually gets the shit right and be funny again. I, I just didn't find this one funny. That's all. What else do we have here? We might have to save one of these articles. You know what? Executive decision. We're going to save Don Lemon for next week. The story ain't going nowhere. And we've previously talked about Don being in hot water with CNN. There's been at least two public instances where he's been reprimanded. I think the first one was he made a little white girl cry. And that was an issue. And then he called the lady. Was it Marjorie Green? It was one of them crazy Republicans, but she was complaining that, that Joe Biden was too old. And Don's response was not just to tell her, you sound crazy and ageist. It was to make a remark about women not being in their prime past a certain age. And I was like, I, I see that you were trying to go toe to toe with her. She said some ageist shit about someone else. And so now you're saying some ageist shit about her. But as a journalist with a live mic and cameras rolling... You can't do that shit, my dude. Like, you just, you have to be at a higher standard in public. You can say you're crazy shit in the group chat, but in public, on camera, you can't act like that. I mean, he did act like that, and he got suspended and reprimanded, and he had to make a public apology. I said then, I was like, my Don, Don, my dude, they done already took you off your good show in the evenings. You should have known then that your time there was limited. I know you feel a way about being there, but if you still want to take these people's checks, you got to act right. And he ain't been acting right. And then Variety went and did this in-depth report about what the hell is going on with Don and CNN. And the conclusion is Don been over there acting the ass. It was multiple examples, multiple occasions over, I don't know, since he got there. Don been over there showing his ass. And to the point that people are talking about it, because usually when they do these kind of articles, they're like, we always talk to a source that works there or worked there from these years to this year. People were like, yes, put my name next to it. Spell it right. This is the dress I had on. This was the time of day. Like, people got really specific. They're not really fucking with Don over at CNN. I was like, bro, Ham, you need to start saving money. Because you about to be let go. Hopefully that means they pay out your contract, whatever that is, if they let you go. You can't quit because you won't get your money. My Don, you about to lose your job. We'll talk about that next week. Because I want to talk about... I mentioned earlier, we've had to talk about Tennessee. They're going crazy down there. They're going crazy down in Tennessee. A woman wrote in to me and she said, can you talk about the Tennessee Three? I said, the Tennessee Three? I said, what's going on in Tennessee? I had no fucking idea. 
most things that happen in the States travel over here. I heard nothing about Tennessee. Um, but she said a lot of people aren't talking about it. So could you talk about it? I can. I only really talk about politics when there's crazy scandalous shit going on. During the Trump years, I talked about politics a lot because every single day was some bullshit. Biden and, and Vice President Harris usually keep things around a four or a five. We haven't really had too many flare-ups from them. Nothing in comparison to the chaos of the Trump years. But Tennessee, Tennessee was like, oh, national politics is dry. Hold my whiskey. Tennessee, Tennessee. Lord, I've really been real stressed, down and out, losing ground. Although I am black and proud, problems got me pessimistic. Brothers and sisters keep acting up. Why does it have to be so damn tough? Yo, I haven't heard that song in a good 20 years and still remember the lyrics. That's crazy. Speaking of crazy, these motherfuckers have gone crazy. I want to make sure I get this right. The Tennessee House is led by Republicans and these crazy mofos just expelled two of their own members. The goal was to expel three. It's two black guys and a white lady. The white lady's a good ally. They kept the white lady. They threw the black folks out. Let's back up. One of the black folks they threw out, his name is Justin Pearson. He got elected in a special election at the end of last year. The woman who previously had the seat up and died, he ran for office. He got the most votes. So he took over her position. This young man, and I call him young, he's 28. He wins. He shows up to get sworn in. White folks go crazy. He has this gigantic afro, like a Jackson 5 type afro and a dashiki. White people lost it. They were like, oh my God, you cannot show up like this. This is not acceptable. How can you wear this to swear in? And he was like, what's the problem? Like I'm honoring my native land. Kind of. I lived in West Africa for six months. Traveled all around the continent, except for the North. But when people say dashikis, what they're really referring to is West Africa. Okay. No one wears dashikis in Africa. They wear what we call quote unquote African print clothing which is really Dutch wax fabrics, but that's a whole nother story. And literally Dutch wax, like they're made not in Africa. That's not the point. The point is nobody wears dashikis in Africa. I'm not mad he's wearing the dashiki. I'm just making a point. I've seen them on sale, like where tourists go to like buy their like souvenirs and knickknacks and things like that on the main road um, where tourists, you know, typically hang out because that's where like a lot of bars and clubs and stuff like that. It's dashikis galore. Like an actual on the continent, lives in Africa, born, bred, never left like Africa, like like them, Ganyans. I can also speak to Senegal and Cote d'Ivoire. Near not one dashiki. Near not one. They don't really wear dashikis in Africa. That's like some, some American shit that we came up with and decided like, this feels African. It's comfortable. I used to have one. I don't know what happened to my dashiki. Like in general, like I've never seen anybody in a dashiki. Quote unquote African print? Absolutely. Not so much in South Africa. Like, they dress like we dress. But in West Africa, like, yeah, every day. Tons of people walking around with print. Dashiki? Never. That's not the point. Sir showed up to be sworn in. He wore a dashiki. White people went crazy. They wasn't a fan of him from jump. They were talking about, like, instituting a whole dress code. He was like, look, if it's really that big a deal, I'm going to wear my dashiki. But I'm going to put a jacket over it. And if you just want me to just put on a tie just to say I got one on, then so be it. But I'm going to wear my dashiki and my Jackson 5 afro. They had an issue with old boy since he showed up. He ran in the special election. He was elected. He was sworn in. There was a general election last month. He has to be re-sworn in 
in order to let me pull this up vote present bills or debate in the house because there was another election so another election means another swearing in i'm reading this on tennesseelookout.com they were holding up his swearing in to silence him so he could show up and he could sit there but he can't speak vote debate or present bills so that was already an issue this article came out on march 22nd i've been looking for information to see if he was technically sworn in before they expelled him and another gentleman we're gonna talk about him in a minute because his quotables my god I'm not even sure they actually swore him in before they expelled him yesterday. Let's back up. I don't know if I mentioned it on here. I didn't do a whole segment on it, but I might have mentioned it in passing. Oh, yes, we did because we talked about the trans aspect of it. A person goes into a school that they actually used to attend, shoots the mofo up, kills three kids and three adults in Tennessee. We talked about how the shooter was trans. And because America, America's, we're going to have every conversation about this incident. It's going to lead with trying to take trans people's rights. But we're going to have a whole conversation about trans people. But we're never going to have a conversation about guns and the easy access to them for unstable and evil people. All these people who do this shit ain't unstable. Some of these mofos just evil. I remember there was a representative for Tennessee at the time. Let me see if I can look this up because I remember being appalled. They asked the guy, they said, well, what you going to do about the guns? Because like this has happened. It's in Tennessee and it's a shame. And he was like, yeah, we're not going to do anything. What? Tennessee representative guns do nothing. Let me see what comes up. Yep. March 29th. Tennessee representative Burchett. After the Covenant school shooting on Monday, I'm reading this on NBC News, Tim Burchett, a Republican from Tennessee, resisted calls for stricter gun control measures. He's actually in Congress. This is the AP story. It says he doubled down on his comments that Congress, not just Tennessee personally, but Congress in general, is, quote, not going to fix the problem of school shootings, saying the country needed, quote, a real revival Rather than gun control legislation. I've never seen that quote before. Are you, are you just doing some like, go pray about it? Revival implies Jesus to me. It's not the only definition, but like the country needs a real revival. I know you just ain't tell these people like, go find Jesus. So go pray. Rather than actually do something. Faith without works is dead. Hold on. I, I was kind of being funny when I said, do, you know, said revival. And his suggestion was to like, just go pray and go call Jesus. Instead of Congress actually doing anything. He said, <laughs> this mofo, if you want to legislate evil, it's not going to happen. Let's call on our Christian ministers and our people of faith. Look, I'm all for good prayer. I'm all for good prayer. Pray that this shit stops. Also, do something. This mofo actually just flatly said, like they asked him, they said, what is Congress going to do about school shootings? He said, quote, we're not going to fix it. I, I, what do you do with that? I'll tell you what at least a few people decided to do. One of them, Justin Pearson, with the afro and the dashiki. He and two of his fellow lawmakers. There's Justin Pearson, that's, that's dashiki. And then there's Justin Jones. He looks like one of the black people to say, I got Indian in my family, but they actually might genuinely have Indian in their family. He's actually black and Filipino. And then Gloria Johnson, that's the white ally. 
these three decided Tennessee wasn't doing enough about gun control and this recent shooting. So they decided to lead a gun control protest into the Capitol building in Tennessee to make a point about these six dead people from the most recent shooting. The people gathered outside the Capitol. I'm reading this on nypost.com. And then the crowd went inside. There are pictures of the three of them, Justin, Justin, and Gloria, leading the protesters, fists in the air. I call this with what our, one of our favorite uncles, now an ancestor, John Lewis, he would call this good trouble. Basically, they're saying this thing happened in our state, in our community. We are not okay with it. And we're definitely members of the house. We're not going to sit here with the rest of y'all. The rest of y'all can play these dumbass games if you want. We're not going to sit here and pretend this nonsense is okay. I respect it so much. The Tennessee House, the Republicans that run it were pissed. They voted to expel them. That's how pissed they were. At least two of them. I told you they kept the white lady. They got rid of the two black dudes expeditiously. Justin Jones, he went up in his place of employment with a bullhorn and was yelling, no action, no peace. No action. Basically, the, basically the house does nothing. There will be no peace. No action, no peace. And he held up a sign that said, protect kids, not guns. All of this is entirely logical to me. But I also believe in like raising hell. Like, you could talk sweet when you need to, but if that don't work, try some other shit. This is trying some other shit. The Republicans said that their their two black colleagues and a white lady, they said, quote, they did knowingly and intentionally bring disorder and dishonor to the House of Representatives through their individual and collective actions. And so they decided, I shouldn't say they decided, they voted to expel them. In their own defense, because like a bill was put forth, like we kicking y'all out. And so they gave the three of them a chance to explain themselves. And Justin Pearson, he said, yes, I can tell you we broke house decorum rules going to the well when you're not called on. And I understand that. But it's not so severe. It needs to have the expulsion of myself, Representative Johnson and Representative Jones. That's an egregious use of power to silence us and to abridge our First Amendment rights. Now, most of the time when people talk about First Amendment, they be like, freedom of speech, freedom of speech. Like, I can say whatever the fuck I want. Freedom of speech. And I have to point out, freedom of speech protects you from persecution by the government. It has nothing to do with private businesses. It has nothing to do with your peers, your social group, your job. None of that. It simply applies to government persecution. In this case, a lawmaker is using it correctly. He's like, you're violating my First Amendment rights. Like I said some shit, you didn't like it. And now you're using the power of the government as we're talking about like the Tennessee House to persecute me. Where are my lawyers at? Can you weigh in on this one? They can sue for this, right? I'm pretty sure they will. The Speaker of the House of Tennessee, he compared the protest to January 6th at the Capitol. He said it was an insurrection. I was like, really? So now it's a problem? It wasn't a problem on January 6th. Y'all said it was cool and it was just like Americans expressing their rights. That's how the right-wing white people tried to explain it. They were like, it was cool. It was fine. That was just angry Americans, like their constitutional right to gather, to protest, blah, blah, blah. Like that they went in the Capitol and people ran for their lives and put on gas masks. Like overreaction. Calm down. It wasn't that serious. Oh, okay. So now these two black men did a protest. There have been no reports of injuries, property damage. There were no arrests. 
Nothing happened. Like people just showed up with signs and yelled a bunch, made a disturbance and went home. Like there was nothing damaged, like literally nothing. But now this is a problem. It's an insurrection. Now it's an insurrection. Okay. And most of the people who were protesting were white. There's a couple black faces or of color faces in these images that I'm seeing, but the vast majority of them are white and white women at that, i.e. mothers or teachers. But the Justins have been pushed out or let go. My favorite new word in South Africa is uh, retrenched. My friend was telling me how she was working a job and, you know, it was kind of crazy and she was retrenched. And I said, retrenched? And she was like, retrenched. And I said, what is, what is retrenched? And she was like, um, I, they told me I, I can't come to work anymore. Like, I don't, I don't get a check anymore. It's like, you were, you were fired? And so she was like, is that what you say? And I was like, retrenched. So these men have been retrenched. That's what they would call it here. I was like, what? They've been doing the rounds <laughs> on the talk show circuit. I want to play one of them for you. The audio is not that good. I saw it on Joy Reid's page, but reading it to you won't quite give you the full effect of it. This is Representative Justin Jones. This is when he was facing expulsion. This is when he's wearing his white suit. Is this the day of the protest? Or yet, like, how many white suits does he have? Justin made a list. He went like full Nino Brown. He was like, if I'm going down, I'm taking everybody with me. Justin said, hey, hey, y'all trying to expel me for a protest in which no one was injured and no property damage. And the protest is over guns and people shooting up our schools. You're more enraged about the protest than you are about the shooting. And he said, eh, eh, eh. if you if you kicking me out, let me make a list for you of other mofos that need to go too." This type of shit is why I struggle to write fiction. You cannot make this shit up. Is Justin going to be a minister? Is he already a minister? I could tell you half his life story just listening to this. So you were raised in a black church. You went every Sunday, probably went to Bible study during the week. That cadence is more than church once a week. I'm going to guess somebody in his family is probably a minister, if not his father, maybe a grandfather or an uncle. Definitely two praying grandmothers. I'll go look it up just to make sure, but this man was raised in the church, 100%. So this is Justin Jones again. What I just played you is what Joy Reid posted on Instagram. Representative Justin Jones was also on Joy Reid's show. He said, uh, I basically had a member call me an uppity Negro. Given this most recent turn of events, unsurprised. He said, for people who were watching the vote for the expulsion, he said, the world was watching Tennessee, which is why they were on their best behavior. But even under their best behavior, you saw the disdain, the arrogance. This is the behavior of our body, even with the nation watching them, even with the world watching. You see the assault on democracy that happened in the most extreme example was my expulsion. 
It's not about me. It's about the 78,000 people I represent. These young people, you know, one of the most diverse districts being silenced because they're upset that we don't fall in line to their narrative of what Tennessee should be. And that's a multiracial democracy. He continued, this is a very hostile environment, but more importantly, it's hostile to democracy. So what you see in there, they're saying you should feel grateful to be here. They didn't put me here. The people of my district put me here. That's what we're trying to undo. From the time I walked in in January, I was made to feel like I shouldn't be welcome here because I led protests here. He was a very well-known activist when he got elected. That's kind of why he got elected. What he was primarily known as being an activist for, to remove a Ku Klux Klan statue from the rotunda of the Tennessee state capitol. He was arrested over 14 times trying to get that done. Just FYI, he did get it done. It's out. It's been out for two years, I think I read. Approaching two years, actually, I think is what I read. It ain't been two years. The, the Klan was founded in Tennessee. That's some wild shit. Justin Pearson, I can't find video of this. So, Representative Andrew Farmer, who sponsored the expulsion measures, he went on a full... I would call this a tantrum, and even though he referred to the protest as a tantrum. I was like, sir, you're, you're throwing a tantrum. He said to his three colleagues that he was trying to expel, he says, you don't truly understand why I authored that resolution. Just because you don't get your way, you can't come to the well, bring your friends, and throw a temper tantrum with an adolescent bullhorn. Is that what you think protesting is? That's why you're standing there. Because of that temper tantrum that day. Because of that yearning to have attention. That's what you wanted. Well, you're getting it now. The tone of that is so paternalistic. You're talking to an equal. You're talking to a colleague. He's talking to him like he's a child. Pearson responded to him. How many of you want to be spoken to that way? The reason that I believe the sponsor of this legislation, of this resolution, spoke that way is because he's comfortable doing it. Because there's a decorum that allows it. There is a decorum that allows you to belittle people. Pearson continued. I think this is after he heard of his expulsion. He said, quote, resurrection is a promise. I'm entirely sure that it being the week of Easter, there is no coincidence that he's comparing himself to Jesus. He says, and it is a prophecy, a prophecy that came out of the cotton fields. It is a prophecy that came out of the lynching tree. It is a prophecy that still lives in each and every one of us in order to make the state of Tennessee the place that it ought to be. And so I've still got off because I know we are still here and we will never quit. After the measure to expel Pearson passed, gallery members, i.e. people who showed up to watch this bullshit happen, chanted shame on you. Shame. Real Game of Thrones as the chamber adjourned. This is insane. Do you understand? Like, this is insane. There are other members of the Tennessee House that have been expelled. I think it's important to mention two of them. One of them was Senator Katrina Robinson. I'm reading this on the New York Post. She was expelled last year after being convicted of abusing a federal grant. She used the money on wedding expenses instead of nursing school. In 2016... The Tennessee House expelled Jeremy Durham, 
he had 22 allegations of sexual misconduct by women who used to work for him. These are the types of people they expel. They, they led a protest in which no one died, no one was injured. There was literally not even property damage. And they kicked them out. President Biden has responded to this bullshit. He tweeted, Three kids and three officials gunned down in yet another mass shooting. And what are GOP officials focused on? Punishing lawmakers who joined thousands of peaceful protesters calling for action. It's shocking, undemocratic, and without precedent. I, yeah, I wasn't on my bingo card. New Republican lawmakers were going to go after the trans community. Obvious play. They are consistent with their bullshit. A protest on the House floor, not surprising, wasn't on the bingo card, but not so crazy. But then expelling the members and they're protesting for an entirely worthy cause that everyone with half a brain should be behind. They don't want kids and teachers being shot up in schools. If there was ever an issue that you would think all of America would be able to get behind, especially now, we don't want any more school shootings. We need to do something about the guns. What is the conflict? The, oh, the guns. The, gu- the guns are more important than the people. I don't even know what to do with that. And the craziest thing, because you know I love Snowfall. I can talk about it because it's last week's episode. It's not a real spoiler per se. It's just one line from the show. Cut the podcast off now if you want to know absolutely nothing about Snowfall. I'm just making an illusion about this whole thing. The end of last week's episode, Franklin and Louie are at the funeral. She asked Franklin, like, why did you help me? She thought that maybe Franklin still had some sort of, you know, soul, compassion for her, especially under the circumstances that they are at a funeral. And she's horrified. And she was like, yo, you really are the devil. And Franklin... Damson Idris is such an amazing actor. Damson Idris does this whole squirm with his body and face. It's subtle, but it's also very like pronounced. It's like a demon is inside him struggling, like good and evil are struggling. And she was like, you are the devil. And most people would be offended. Be like, I am not the devil. How could you say that to me? That's offensive. That's terrible. He's like, yeah, yeah, I know. The, the thing that gets me about these Republicans, because it's largely Republicans that are against gun control. Like the dude, they asked, they said, what are you going to do? And he said, we're not going to do nothing. They were like, well, you have a daughter, like your daughter, like she goes to school, right? Like you're not concerned about kids in school. You know his response? I didn't read this part earlier. I remember it from when I read it the first time. You know, the, you know what his response was? We homeschool our kid. Nigga, what? The point I'm making, they don't do shit. They terrorize anyone who is not white, male, rich, Christian, and heterosexual. It's open season on everyone else. Women, children, even if they white, they don't give a fuck about them either. See the current laws on women's health care and abortion. School shootings. Most of these schools getting shot up in these mass shootings ain't black, ain't brown. It's white kids getting shot up. Don't give a fuck. But they go to private school and their parents are rich. Don't give a fuck. And do it in Jesus' name. We don't need gun control. We need, we need prayer. We need, we need Christian leaders. They go, what? They do all this shit, letting people die in Jesus' name. That's some devilish shit. Happy Good Friday, y'all. I hope you have a wonderful Easter weekend. We'll talk next week. 
we we not gonna start with Don Lemon because we gotta get good black dudes in first. But we gonna talk about Don. He's showing his ass over at CNN. I'm like Don, Don, you know better, but you're not acting better. All right, talk next week. Have a great weekend. Happy Easter. Bye.